Hello, my friends. Welcome to the PMP Exam Radio Show today. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject in this field that is not strictly relegated to the PMP Exam. Today, we're going deep. We're going for one solid hour into the topic of program management. What exactly is a program? A program is a collection of interrelated projects managed together to give benefits. Results, outcomes that would not be available, that would not be remotely considerable without managing the work in an integrated fashion within the program umbrella. And the program manager is that individual who manages the program of all of these projects. Now, a program doesn't need to have a boatload of projects, it could have two, three, four. So, two or more interrelated projects. Now, in my professional life as a program manager, I have on occasion been both a program manager of multiple projects and managing one of the projects in the program. So, it's not uncommon to find a program manager needing to wear a hat if one of the projects has no project manager, as I did. And there's so much to be discussed in this area that it needs its own special place in the PMP exam radio show. For those of you who are already PMPs, knock yourself out with program management. Starting right now, after this little clip from our sponsors. friends welcome to this review of the standard for program management it's going to be another rapid review lots of you who are getting certified are looking at the pgmp and wondering is this something i should go for well let's first of all talk about the requirements to take the pgmp exam so let's dive into the pgmp handbook for those of you who have asked the question a few times the pgmp handbook indicates a much more robust assortment of knowledge is needed obviously, for the PGMP exam being a step above in managing multiple interrelated projects as opposed to just managing one project. If you take a look at the PGMP handbook, what you see is you could have a secondary school diploma, but you need 48 months of unique non-overlapping professional project management experience. You also need 84 months of unique non-overlapping professional program management experience and what that means is you need seven years of program management experience if you do have a four-year degree bachelor's degree global equivalent then you need 48 months of unique non-overlapping project management experience and on top of that you also need 48 months which is four years of unique non-overlapping professional program management experience in the case of the GAC accredited programs, you need 36 months. If you're a GAC accredited program, a bachelor's degree holder under the project management experience umbrella, 36 months under the program management experience umbrella, 36 months as well. So these requirements show you that this is not a cakewalk. This is a pretty tough process to get through. If you take a look at the journey you have the application submission, what is typically five days in 
PMP is 10 days here. You could be audited. You go through the application payment process and so on. There's a panel review and that doesn't exist in PMP world. Multiple choice examination eligibility. You've got one year as usual. Then you enter the certification cycle and you get into the renewal and so on. Now, to go a step further, let's talk about how many questions you have on the exam and what the makeup of the questions on the exam are. I want you to follow me to the relevant page here. So let's flip to the relevant page in the PGMP handbook. And you can see it reads, the PGMP exam consists of 170 multiple choice questions of the 170, 20 are considered pretest questions. Pretest questions do not affect the score, but are used in the examination as an effective and legitimate way to test the validity of future exam questions. You already know this. A lot of time, 240 minutes. It may take some candidates less than the allotted four hours to complete the exam. There are no scheduled breaks during the exam, although you're allowed to take a break if needed. And it goes on and on. So you, I advise you, take a look at the handbook, read through it. It has often been said that the PGMP exam is a bigger beast than the PMP. You thought PMP was a beast? Well, PGMP is a bigger beast. All right. Well, why don't we get straight into the standard for program management now that you understand what is required of you if you are looking to become PGMP certified. Now, full disclosure, I am not PGMP certified. I did, however, go through copious amounts of the standard for program management many years ago when I was preparing for my OPM3 exam, which is like three exams in one. You got to know program management, portfolio management, and project management. And of course, you needed to know the OPM standard from the PMI. So this stuff, not only have I gone through, I have also taught two companies. But the fourth edition is a different kind of animal, which I have allowed roam free for a while. But now we need to put a color on it because a lot of you are like, what is in this standard? So I decided to present to you today the standard for program management, a summary. So as most of my summaries, I have for you here the relevant page so you can dig into it, read a little bit more. And the introduction is on page one. And it starts off by saying the standard for program management, fourth edition, provides guidance on the principles of program management. It provides generally accepted definitions of programs and program management and concepts important to their success. Program management performance domains, the program lifecycle, and important program management principles, practices, and activities. In other words, this is all about programs. And in order to get to this level of reading about programs, you should have, of course, understood what exactly projects were in the first place. So I'm going to give you the 40,000-foot view first. Chapter 1 is the introduction, which we'll cover. Chapter 2 is about program management performance domains, which we'll take a look at. Next is program strategy alignment. Chapter 4 is program benefits management. Chapter 5 is program stakeholder engagement. Chapter 6 is program governance and chapter seven program lifecycle management and that takes us to chapter eight which is program activities so we're going to go through these very quickly 
Again, this is not a course for the PGMP, but it's a review so that those of you curious to know more can actually go into the book and read more for yourself. So as far as the purpose for the standard, the standard for program management provides guidance. And when I say guidance, I'm talking about guidance in program management, the principles and the activities of it. Principles of program management are tenets that are held to be true and important for the effective management of programs. So what is a program? Well, a program is defined as related projects, sub-programs, and program activities managed in a coordinated way to obtain benefits not available from managing them individually. Now, when we talk about benefits, remember that programs deliver their intended benefits primarily through the component projects. So when we talk about benefits in this world, hopefully you remember that benefits could be tangible value and intangible value. When we refer to the value gained from programs, it must first of all be understood at the project level before you see the sum total. For example, imagine a program that is a software refresh project and a hardware refresh project. Well, if you don't have the right hardware, the software can't run properly. You got a project for software, you got a project for hardware, but still there needs to be some integration. Still, there needs to be a cut over. So you could look at this as three different projects. Without all three, you do not get the full benefit of the program. So when we talk about program benefits, you've got to understand that it exists first at a lower level and the aggregate gives you that higher level benefits that we're seeking. Let's talk about initiation of programs. Programs are initiated or recognized in two ways. First one is programs initiated to pursue goals, objectives, or strategies. These are begun before the start of work on their component projects and programs. These programs are typically initiated to support a new strategic goal and objectives. Let's talk about the next one. Programs may also be formed when an organization recognizes that its ongoing projects, programs, and other work are related by their pursuit of common outcomes, capabilities, objectives, or benefits. For example, a process development improvement project supported by previously independent software development initiatives or a neighborhood revitalization program supported by building public parks and traffic control projects and a community outreach program. These programs are often formed when an organization determines that organizational benefits will be more effectively realized by managing ongoing initiatives as a single program. And that's why we need program managers, because they help us do just that. What is the relationship between portfolios, programs, and projects? I'll put it simply, portfolios are a collection of projects, programs, subportfolios, and operations. Programs are a collection of interrelated projects, subprograms, and program activities. It is not uncommon to see operations being thrown into the mix, and projects are just that. Projects are a collection of these tasks that help us get to the end goal of the project. So projects, whether they're managed independently or part of a program, they are temporary, temporary endeavors, and we undertake them to create unique products, services, or results. And all this is covered in the PMBOK guide as well, as far as these three. Now, to go a step further, when you take a look at portfolios, you need to see a portfolio as a collection of all the work being done by that business unit or that company. 
So when we talk about what is program management, you need to understand that program management falls under the umbrella of everything that is going on in the firm. We have the entire organization's portfolio of work. And within that, we have programs. Within those programs, we have sub-programs and projects. We also, in that bucket of programs, could have other program-related activities that are more operational in their characteristics. So program management is the application of knowledge, skills, and principles to a program to obtain, to achieve the program objectives and to obtain benefits and control that are not available by managing the program components individually. Moving on here, we're going into the relationship among portfolio, program, project management. So the big view here is OPM, Organizational Project Management. The summary is the way we manage portfolios, programs, and projects should all align. And remember in the beginning, I told you about the OPM3 certification, no longer in existence from the PMI, no longer out there for people. But the OPM3 umbrella was great in that it enabled you help companies align, you know, their programs, projects, and portfolios. So OPM3 provides a framework in which portfolio programs and project management practices are integrated. That's the whole idea. Managing programs, projects, and portfolios should not be done disjointedly. Each arm should be speaking to another. And the PMI have a very helpful comparative overview of projects, programs, and portfolios. It has existed for quite a while in other publications of the PMI. So it's important to realize that there's interaction between portfolios, programs, and projects. There's a relationship between program management and portfolio management. And the relationship is a collaborative one. Program and portfolio managers should work together to ensure that the benefits desired or acquired by an organization are effectively and efficiently delivered. It's often said that portfolio management is doing the right work, whereas project management is doing the work right. And you can see program management as having some elements of working the aggregate projects in a streamlined fashion. The relationship between program management and project management is obvious because those are interrelated projects within a program. So just understand portfolio level, program level, project level, they should all align. Organizational strategies and priorities established as part of portfolio management provide a basis for defining programs to be pursued. When you understand the strategic objective of the firm, you're able to get the right programs in alignment with the strategy and those programs were able to break them down into the right projects or perhaps the projects are already in existence or we're able to see the need to rally those projects together and manage them as one cohesive whole. Still here in chapter one, we talk about the relationship among organizational strategy, program management and operations management. Organizations employ program management to pursue complex initiatives that support organizational strategy. In practice, when you're pursuing such initiatives, program managers find that their programs impact the line of business that have operational responsibilities. Therefore, there is a connection between operations and programs. Also, program managers find that the benefits delivered by programs could influence an organization's approach to or scope of operational activity. So we see some interrelationship here. Let's talk about the next one, business value. And this is getting to the last five here. Business value is all about tangible or intangible value that a company realizes 
from the initiatives being undertaken. After all, organizations work programs to improve their abilities to deliver benefits to their customers. In non-commercial organizations, benefits could be delivered in the form of social or societal value. For example, improved health, that's value. Safety or security, that's value. In commercial organizations, it's common for organizational benefits to be delivered in the form of business value. Business value may be defined as the sum of all tangible and intangible elements of a business, where, for example, tangible elements could include monetary assets, fixtures, market share, and utility. Intangible elements could be things like brand recognition. I mean, when you see the golden arches, you immediately understand where you're passing by. That is value, brand recognition of the golden arches, right? Public benefits. I remember whizzing by the golden arches one day and my son in the back seat at the age of two immediately said what he wanted. He wanted some fries. Why? Because that is value. So when people realize your brand, where there is um, some recognition, goodwill, public benefits, trademark, all of that stuff, we refer to that as business value in some way. So portfolio management ensures that an organization's projects, programs, and operations are aligned with an organization's strategy. It's all well and good to have projects, but if they're not aligned to the organization's strategy, then we have big, big problems. So what is the role of a program manager? A program manager is that person authorized by the performing organization to lead the team or teams responsible for achieving program objectives. The program manager maintains responsibility for the leadership, conduct, and performance of a program and for building a program team that is capable of achieving program objectives and delivering anticipated program benefits. So when you think about the role of the program manager, it's very different from that of the project manager. The program manager is that individual responsible to rally the projects together. The program manager, in some instances, in some companies, I have seen program managers managing one project within their program especially if a project manager suddenly leaves. But a program manager is not someone managing many projects. It's someone who is managing the coordination and the cohesion of multiple interrelated projects that are not necessarily being managed by the program manager themselves. In programs, it is recognized that the best means of delivering benefits via project, sub-programs, and other work may be uncertain. The outcomes or outputs generated by the components of programs may be unpredictable and uncontrollable. As a consequence, programs should be managed in a way that recognizes a potential need to adapt strategies and plans during the course of a program to optimize the benefits, the delivery of the benefits. The program manager is also responsible for managing coordination of the management of complex issues that may arise as programs seek to deliver benefits. In other words, you can say as a program manager, just make sure you're as agile as possible. What are the program manager competencies? To manage a program efficiently, program managers need to encourage the efficient completion of projects and other program activities as planned, while simultaneously enabling the adjustment of strategy. Balancing these needs requires that program managers be competent in providing an integrated view. It's all about that cohesion of how the outputs and outcomes of program components will support the program's intended delivery of organizational benefits. When I look at program management, what I see, to be quite honest with you, is leadership. That is 
the biggest thing of all. It's number four on their list, but leadership skills are important because these guide program teams. They help the program manager to guide their teams through the program lifecycle. It's a very big endeavor to manage multiple interrelated programs, uh, projects, and interrelated subprograms. The program managers work with component managers and often with functional managers to gain support. It's a high-level position in a lot of companies. Resolve conflicts and direct individual program team members by providing specific work instructions. It's not for the faint in heart. It's a high-pressure position. You also need communication skills, stakeholder engagement skills, change management skills. You also need a lot of emotional intelligence, which falls under leadership. Great analytical skills and integration skills. Program managers should possess the ability to describe and present a program's strategic vision and plan holistically. So the very high-level type of position. The role of the program sponsor. This is different. A program sponsor is an individual, a group that provides resources and support for the program and is accountable for enabling success. We also talk about the role of the program office or program management office. It's a management structure that standardizes the program-related governance processes and facilitates the sharing of resources, methodologies, tools, and techniques. You might hear it being referred to as a project office or a program office. You might even hear some people saying portfolio office, to be quite honest, all the same thing. When established as part of a program, a program management office is an important element of the program's infrastructure. Or you might just hear the term PMO. Whether it's a program, a project, portfolio, they receive support in that regard. So that is chapter one in a nutshell. Now that you've got a good understanding of what program management is, let's talk about program management performance domains in chapter two. Program management performance domains are complementary groupings of related areas of activity or function that uniquely characterize and differentiate the activities found in one performance domain from the others with the full scope of program management work. So in this section, as you can see, we're going to talk about program management performance domain definitions, program management performance domain interactions, organizational strategy, portfolio management and program management linkage, portfolio and program distinctions, and program and project distinctions for the most part. So why don't we start off by talking about the nature of work program managers do. Program managers actively carry out work within multiple program management performance domains during all program management phases. The PMI goes a step further to show you these. These are as follows. And I covered this in my last summary video. Right there in the center, you've got program lifecycle management. Program lifecycle management holds together program strategy alignment program benefits management, program stakeholder engagement, and program governance. And we're going to talk about these in other chapters. Organizations initiate programs to deliver benefits and accomplish agreed-upon objectives that often affect the entire organization. The organization implementing the program considers and balances the degree of needs, change, stakeholder expectations, requirements, resources, and timing conflicts across the components. Now, when we talk about program strategy alignment. We're talking about a performance domain that identifies program outputs and outcomes to provide benefits aligned with an organization's goals and objectives. That's why we call it strategy. It's as though you're aligning the program outputs with the organization's strategic business objectives and goals. 
Then we have program benefits management. And this is a performance domain that creates, maximizes, and delivers the benefits provided by the program. It's one thing to know what the benefits are, but it's another thing to actually harvest the benefits. The next one is program stakeholder engagement. And this performance domain identifies and analyzes stakeholder needs and manages expectations and communications to foster stakeholder support. The next one is program governance. This performance domain enables and performs program decision-making. It establishes practices to support the program. Remember when we say governance, governance is where we're talking about authority. Last one is program lifecycle management. And this performance domain manages program activities required to facilitate effective program definition, program delivery, and program closure. Now, these are not sequential domains. These domains run concurrently throughout the duration of the program. It is within these domains that the program manager and the program team perform the activities. The nature and complexity of the program being implemented determine the degree of activity required within a particular domain at any particular point in time. Well, let me just say to you straight up that in a lot of companies where I have worked as a program manager and seen other program managers work, these are not wrote performance domains that are identified like you would initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, and controlling, and closing. No. In fact, a lot of organizations have their own definitions for what programs are and how things are run. If you look at other methodologies and other frameworks, such as uh, PRINCE2, you'll see slightly different descriptions. There are similarities, but they are different. So this is really from PMI's standard to give you a line of best fit, if you will. And to be quite honest, this has changed over the years. Previously, the standard mapped very closely back to knowledge areas, but now they've changed the configuration of that. And we're going to start off with 2.2 program management performance domain interactions. So as I mentioned, all five program management performance domains interact with each other throughout the course of the program and the amount of interaction and when it should occur, it all depends on the components. 2.3, organizational strategy, portfolio management, and program management linkage. These things are all linked. You cannot extricate portfolio management from organizational strategy. Portfolio management is linked to organizational strategy because you are working the portfolio to get to those organizational strategic business objectives. You're working the program to get to the objectives of the portfolio. So they are linked. Programs typically find their starting point during an organization's strategic planning effort, where the full spectrum of an organization's investments are evaluated, prioritized, and aligned with the organization's operational strategy. As the business climate of organ or organizational strategy changes, and organizations continue to evaluate work through portfolio reviews by reinforcing components of the portfolio that are in alignment. And to be quite honest, some components are thrown out during kill points. So a lot of what you may start off with may not make its way all the way to the end of a program regarding the components of a program or a portfolio regarding the components of a portfolio. But let's distinguish one more time between portfolios and programs. While portfolios and programs are both collections of projects, activities, and non-project work, they are aspects that clearly differentiate programs from projects. A program is a group of 
related projects, interrelated projects, and they are managed in a coordinated way to achieve benefits and control that would not be available if we manage them on their own. Remember, we talk about benefits being value that the customer gets, tangible and intangible. To clarify the difference between these important organizational constructs, portfolios, programs, two aspects stand out. And the PMI bring these to the surface as relatedness and time. So let's talk about relatedness. Relatedness is a primary consideration that differentiates programs and portfolios. And this is a concept introduced and implied by the word related in the definition of a program. In a program, the work included is interdependent such that achieving the full intended benefits is dependent on the delivery of all the components in the scope of a program. In the portfolio, the work included is related in any way the portfolio owner chooses. Typical portfolio groupings of work include efforts staffed from the same resource pool or work delivered to the same client or work conducted in the same accounting period. Other groupings are also valid. For example, work performed within the same geographic area or strategic business unit. Work included in the portfolio may span a variety of diverse initiatives, and these initiatives can be independent. We could have projects in a portfolio that are not linked to any program. We could have multiple projects that are not linked in any way to any other component in the portfolio, other than they are all undertaken to achieve the company's strategic objectives. So though the initiatives may be entirely independent and not related to one another in any way, the organization may group and manage them together for ease of oversight and control. So this is a huge distinction between what we understand as programs and how portfolios are grouped and sectioned. You do also remember that we could have multiple portfolios in a company under different business units. So in a company, we could break down a huge portfolio across a, a firm into sub-portfolios, or we may just refer to them as portfolios within the company's portfolio. Let's talk about the other aspect of time. Another attribute that differentiates portfolios from programs is the element of time. Programs like projects are temporary and include the concept of time as an aspect of work. Though they may span multiple years or decades, programs are characterized by the existence of a clearly defined beginning, a future endpoint, and a set of outcomes. So we understand that to be true. The various initiatives and work elements defined within portfolios mostly do not relate to one another and do not rely on each other. In portfolios, the organization's strategic plan and business cycle dictate the start or end of specific investments, and these investments may serve widely divergent objectives. Additional work and investments within the portfolio may continue for years or decades or may be altered or terminated by the organization. So when we take a look at the time factor, portfolios, on the other hand, while being reviewed on a regular basis for decision-making purposes, are not expected to be constrained to end on a specific date. Now, when you look at the components of a portfolio, you realize you've got programs, you've got projects, but you also have operational work. And you do know operations don't end. It is very possible to have a portfolio that spans for tens and tens of years. On the flip side, we would not expect to see a program going on and on. Now, we, in government space, see multi-year programs 
But typically, we would expect a program to end at a particular date. To summarize, programs differ from portfolios in two important ways. Programs include work, project, subsidiary programs, and program activities that are interrelated. Programs also include the concept of time. Portfolios, on the other hand, do not have every piece of work in the portfolio related the way we see work related in a program, and portfolios are not constrained by the time factor. Let's talk about program and project distinctions. So as we talked about previously, program management provides organizations with an effective framework for managing interrelated groupings of work. Here, we're going to further discuss three characteristics that distinguish programs from projects. These fundamental differences are found in the way programs and projects are managed in response to uncertainty. So when we talk about uncertainty, it's an inevitable challenge of managing programs. Uncertainty is especially high in the beginning of a program as outcomes are not clear. Programs and projects both exist in organizational environments in which the output benefit or outcome of the work may be somewhat unpredictable or uncertain. With that said, risk exists in both projects and programs. Now, uncertainty could be said to be in economies of scale. In the world of project management, you pretty much have a fixed idea of where you're going. For those of you following, we're on page 28, talking about 2.5.1. And when we talk about uncertainty on projects, we pretty much understand the gamut of uncertainties after a while. But by contrast, a program may not have all of its scope, budget, or schedule determined up front. For that reason, we see programs having a higher level or possibility of uncertainty in that you could have programs canceling projects. You could have programs starting new projects or sub-programs. So the level of uncertainties where there are more associated pieces of work moving around is definitely more than on a project and perhaps more complex than on a project by virtue of the number of pieces that you have in a program. Now, a program could be two projects, I know, but you also have programs that could have upwards of 10, 15, even more, 20 projects. So just be aware of that, that how you approach uncertainty in a project, you can move a lot quicker with more certainty than on a program where there are more moving parts. During the program, scope and content are continually elaborated, clarified, and adjusted to ensure the program's outcomes remain in alignment with the intended benefits. Let's talk about managing change. Again, managing change could be a lot more complex. Program managers need to consider two different categories of change. These are internal change and external change. Internal change changes within the program. External change refers to need to adapt to the organization the organization in order for it to be able to exploit the benefits created by the program. So there's a lot more responsibility and burden on a program manager and resilience is needed. Leadership is needed. Focus is needed. Analytical skills, a lot of stuff is needed when you're dealing with change of this magnitude. 
issues related to change should be addressed differently within programs and projects. Projects deal with change in terms of scope, schedule, cost, and quality. As many of you have learned, as with uncertainty, programs should be better equipped to deal with change because they have the ability to change the direction of a component, uh, cancel a component, or start a new component. In both programs and projects, there should be a rationale that justifies that the advantages of originating from a proposed change will outweigh potential drawbacks. Change within a project affects the defined deliverables at the tactical level, whereas change within a program affects the delivery of the intended benefits at the strategic level. Of course, a lot more visibility and a lot more weight. So managing change within the program requires strategic insight, understanding of the program's objectives and intended benefits, Change to any component within a program may have a direct impact on the delivery of the other related components. It's a bit of a trickier game in the world of programs. That's why, you know, for this certification called the PGMP, they go from end to end to make sure you are truly solid. This is definitely not one of those cakewalk certifications. In programs, change management is a key activity, enabling stakeholders to carefully analyze the need for proposed change, the impact of change, and the approach or process for implementing and communicating change. So there are numerous dimensions of change, but we'll just limit these to program change. Program managers approach change at the program level in a fundamentally different way. Program managers depend on a predetermined, consistent level of performance from the components of the program. Project change. In project change, change management is employed to help the project manager team and stakeholders monitor and control the amount of variance from the planned cost and schedule while protecting the approved attributes and characteristics of the plan output. So I hope this has given you an idea of the enormity, the enormity, the scale of program management. We're going to close out this chapter with complexity. And under complexity, we understand this is experienced at any level. You could have complex tasks, complex projects, complex programs, but it's all in economies of scale. But let's zero into the complexity of programs. The complexity of a program may be the result from a combination of factors, governance complexity, stakeholder complexity, definition complexity, benefits delivery complexity, which means the benefits delivery complexity focusing on benefits management. We have interdependency complexity. Program managers need to deal with this. A program focuses on interdependencies among components of the program and not necessarily on issues within individual projects. We also have resource complexity, the availability of resources at the required level or capability and capacity. Adequate funding, suitable supplies and materials. We also have scope complexity. This arises from a difficulty to clearly define the deliverables and benefits of a program and its components. We have change complexity. This arises from the different levels of impact the change could have in an organization. We have risk complexity. Risk complexity arises from the high level of uncertainty due to the extended program life cycle and the uncertainty of components, the outcome of those components and their interdependencies. And then we can also talk about project complexity. A project could be complex because of uniqueness. It presents as well as a kind of thinking, action, and knowledge needed. We also have within project complexity, the offshoot organizational complexity, 
and dynamic complexity. Organizational complexity focuses on the depth of the organizational structure, as well as a number of organizational units. Dynamic complexity focuses on the project's behavior and how it changes over time. When you take a look at chapter two, it is loaded. And honestly, I just did it a tiny little piece of justice there because you still have a ton of definitions to go through and cover. All right, this is where it gets a lot quicker. So I want you to help drop a comment below. I want you to like and subscribe. If you want to see the continuation of the program management standards summary, I want you to like, subscribe, share. And when we get to a number, a certain number, I'm looking to get 500 likes on this video and then I will continue. I, I mean, I, I know program management isn't that popular among people that don't want to go the full mile. It's most popular among people who are actually managing programs and those who want to go the full mile. But I know there are enough PMPs out there to generate enough interest. I just want to use our time wisely. So if you want me to continue with this review beyond chapter three to chapter seven, why don't you hit a like, subscribe, share with a friend. And when we get to 500 likes, I will continue chapter three forward. Hopefully by then PMI would not have changed the standard as is their characteristic. We know PMI always has tricks up their sleeve, but just judging by how busy they've been with the Pembroke Guide um, seventh edition, I don't think a lot of that will happen. All right. So why don't you take some time out, uh, drop me a comment, uh, uh, drop me uh, any questions that you might have and let me know if you want me to continue, but I'm going to give you the one minute version of each of these, or should I say the 20 second version? So let's talk about program strategy alignment real quick. This is going to be a lot shorter than chapter one and two. Under this chapter, we have the topics of the program business case, the program charter, the program roadmap, environmental assessments, and program risk management strategy. I'm going to cover these extremely rapid. When we talk about a business case, the business case makes a case for a project, in this case, a program. The completion of the strategic planning cycle results in the creation or update of the organization's strategic goals and objectives, which is documented in the organization's strategic plan. The organization's vision and mission are used as an input to the strategic planning cycle and are reflected throughout the strategic plan. The organization's strategic plan is divided into a set of organizational initiatives. As you've heard, many companies refer to them as initiatives. Programs come into existence as a result of the strategic business objective. And that goes into portfolios and tapers into programs. Now, the business case that we're talking about here could include details about the program outcomes, approved concept, issues, high-level risk, and opportunity assessment, key assumptions, and so on. Talking about the program charter, key elements of a program charter consists of program scope, assumptions, constraints, high-level risks to the program, high-level benefits from the program, goals and objectives, success factors, timing, key stakeholders, and other provisions very similar to your uh, lineup in your project charter. Then we have the program roadmap. The program roadmap is a chronological representation of a program's intended direction, and it graphically depicts dependencies between major milestones and decision points. And if you take a look at page 37 in the standard for program management, it's an example of this. It shows you the, the waves, you've got wave one, a decision point, 
within wave one, there was project D, then wave two, within wave two, you got project E and J. And it, it shows how all of these projects taper in to the overarching program and how it spans across period of time, period one to period N. Environmental assessments, they're often internal or external influences to the program that have a significant impact on the program's success. Influences from outside the program may be internal to the large organization or may come from sources external to the organization. Remember, we've also talked about enterprise environmental factors in the past, so this should not uh, come as a surprise. Under environmental assessments, we talk about enterprise environmental factors, talk about uh, environmental analysis, and uh, we also talk about things like feasibility analysis, SWOT analysis, assumptions analysis, historical information analysis, and so on. And that takes us to 3.5, where we talk about program risk management strategy, successful delivery of the program roadmap aligned with the organizational strategy and with consideration to the environmental factors found in the environmental assessments depends on a well-defined program risk strategy. Remember, we talked about risk being very different on programs. And because there's so many more moving parts and so many more dependencies, we have a whole lot of risks to think about. Now, when we talk about risk management for strategy alignment, we should remember that strategy alignment comprises the alignment of the program roadmap and its supported objectives to organizational strategy. And this involves having a risk management strategy that ensures effective management of any risk that can cause the program to be out of alignment with the organizational strategy. We want to keep an eye on those. We also have program risk thresholds. Risk threshold is a measure of the degree of acceptable variation around a program objective. We could have a minimum level of risk exposure for risk, for example. We could have a qualitative or quantitative definition of a risk rating, and we could have a maximum level of risk exposure. And all of these are terms we use when we talk about program risk thresholds. Moving on here, we also have initial program risk assessments talked about, no-brainer. Program risk response strategy. The program risk response strategy combines the elements of the risk threshold and the initial risk assessment into a plan for how program risk will be managed and effectively and consistently done throughout the life of the program. And that concludes chapter three. Now, really quick, chapter four is all about program benefits management. I cannot wait to go into this with you. This is one of my favorites, but at a high level, program benefits management is the performance domain that defines, creates, maximizes and delivers the benefits provided by the program. So we're going to be talking about benefits identification, benefits analysis and planning, benefits delivery, benefits transition, and benefits sustainment. Looking forward to doing that with you. Going over to chapter five, this is where we talk about program stakeholder alignment. This is another fun topic. In fact, I have a book about this coming out hopefully very soon about stakeholder engagement at all levels, be it the portfolio, the program, or the project. But here we look at five dimensions. We look at stakeholder identification, stakeholder analysis, stakeholder engagement planning, stakeholder engagement, and stakeholder communications across the program. All right. So a stakeholder, we've talked about this before. It's an individual group organization that could be affected by a decision or on the project, a decision, activity, or outcome of a project, program, or portfolio. Stakeholders may be internal or external to the program and may have a positive or negative impact on the outcome of the program. Program and project managers need to be aware of project, the stakeholders, the program stakeholders, their impact, 
uh, and level of influence these folks have. It's very similar in terms of, of what we do, the ingredients of what we do. We need to identify, we need to analyze, we need to plan, we need to engage, and, and of course, we need to communicate. And within these pieces, we also will have a piece where we ensure that whatever we plan is indeed working and where we could improve on what we're doing. So the program manager should interact with stakeholders in these ways. One, engage stakeholders, assess their attitudes and interests. Two, include stakeholders in program activities. Three, monitor stakeholder feedback. And four, monitor training initiatives as needed. And this two-way communication helps the program manager to deliver the benefits for the organization in accordance with the program charter. When we talk about program stakeholder identification, we aim to systematically identify all key stakeholders. This could be individuals or groups in the stakeholder register. We could have directors, customer, uh, vice presidents, and their role could be, for example, supplier or recipient or sponsor. And it actually goes a lot more deep into showing how this looks um, in the program more than it did in the in the PEMBOK guide. We also have the infamous power interest grid talked about here. And uh, this is something that was removed from the PEMBOK guide. So it is refreshing to see it in the standard for program management. So definitely a good legitimate addition. And when we talk about program stakeholder communications, effective communications create a bridge between diverse stakeholders who may have different cultural and organizational backgrounds, very similar to your communications management chapter. Communications is at the heart of program stakeholder engagement and is key to executing program endeavors and ultimately delivering benefits to the organization. Let's move on to chapter six. Chapter six is all about program governance. There are three big things here, and I'm not going to go into them, but we've got program governance practices, program governance roles, and program governance design and implementation. Again, if you want to see more of this breakdown, I need you to hit like, subscribe. When I get to 500 likes, I am going into more details from chapters three forward. For now, this is pretty much high level just to get you through the review, all right? Some of the things we talk about in program governance are having a program governance plan. And a program governance plan just helps um, the facilitating governance on the, the program. Such descriptions that we talk about in this plan are summarized. And this could be a standalone document or a subsection of the program management plan. So whether you've got a standalone program governance plan or you, you got it as part of your program management plan, there should be a section in your plan or standalone where you talk about this. And the the purpose of it is to describe the systems and methods used to monitor. Remember I told you what governance is? Governance is the framework within which authority is exercised. Remember, that's a PM 101. So it is important for us to reference this plan throughout the program's duration to ensure that the program is conforming to the established expectations, the governance expectations and agreements. And of course, we could modify this plan all through. All right, let's go on to our final chapter here, or final, uh, I should say, two chapters, because we have one after this. So final two chapters, program lifecycle management. This is one I wish we had enough time to go over for today, which we don't, but we'll come back to it. So what is a program lifecycle? What is program lifecycle management? 
Program lifecycle management is the performance domain that manages program activities required to facilitate effective program definition, program delivery, and program closure. Remember, we talked about this in the very beginning. So programs function similarly to projects in that the program is defined, benefits are delivered, the program is closed. However, unlike projects, programs involve coordination and sequencing across multiple components. And this is far, far above what is required at a project level. During program delivery, components are authorized, planned and executed and benefits are delivered. And then program closure is then approved by the program steering committee. So there's a different thing that happens in the world of programs than in projects, but hopefully we'll get to talk about this on a future episode. So let's talk about the program lifecycle phases very quick. To ensure success in programs, we have three major phases, and these are program definition phase, program delivery phase, program closure phase. Program definitions phase, this includes program activities conducted to authorize a program and develop the program roadmap, which we talked about previously, to achieve the expected results. And it typically includes activities that are performed as the result of an organization's plan to fulfill strategic objectives or achieve a desired state within an organization's portfolio. There are many other pieces that we need to talk about, such as program formulation and so on. We won't go into that today. We'll talk about the next stage here, program delivery. Program delivery phase includes program activities performed to produce the intended results of each component in accordance with the program management plan. And last but not least, we'll talk about uh, program closure. Program closure phase includes program activities necessary to transition program benefits to the sustaining organization and formally close the program in a controlled manner. So a lot of great stuff that we could talk about here, but it's time to move on to our final chapter. Final chapter here is program activities. Program activities are tasks and work conducted to support a program and which contribute throughout the program lifecycle. So in this section overall, we have program definition phase activities, program delivery phase activities, and yeah, you guessed right, program closure phase activities. And of course, you're able to see how this maps to what we talked about in the previous chapter. The program activities that support program management and governance include program change management, program communications management, program financial management, program information management, program procurement management, program quality management, program resource management, program risk management, program schedule management, and program scope management. And of course, you're wondering why we're all over the place in terms of the order of these, because you expect it to correlate to the knowledge areas, but it is not presented in that way. This will be a very interesting one for us to go over together. So make sure you hit the like, hit the subscribe. And I assure you, as soon as we see enough traction and enough interest, we will go into a much deeper dive from chapters three forward. But for now, I'm going to leave you with this piece of advice. If you are truly 
managing multiple interrelated projects. And you have been in industry for upwards of seven years if you don't have a degree or four years if you do have a degree and you've been managing these multiple interrelated projects. Why don't you make it official? Why don't you make it official? Why don't you go towards PGMP certification? If there's enough interest or buzz, I'm going to bring one of my buddies on here. I'm going to bring one of my program management gurus to give you some advice about this exam. And I'm talking about someone who has trained hundreds and hundreds of program managers worldwide. If there's enough interest, maybe he'll come on and tell you how you can get PGMP certified. All right. I hope this has been of value to you. Don't forget, check out the PMI website. I look forward to speaking to you soon. If there's more interest, we'll do this again. You take care. Bye for now.